and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast. We discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. My name's Sandy and I'm here with Susie. We both have a passion to bring gospel reform to womanhood, to families, and really to all of life. I have a background in education and music, and Susie's training is in biblical counseling, theology, and ministry to women. Susie and I have been friends and have served at our local church for over 20 years together. Well, Susie, as you and I were talking and planning, we were really excited to do a Christmas episode because we thought it would be beneficial to women to help us refocus and recognize some of the obstacles or the challenges that we face. And also because we love this time of year and we want to celebrate that too. So my first question, Susie, how can women best keep Christ as a center of the season while getting all the things done um, and not getting caught up in anxiety. And actually, as I'm saying this, I can actually feel it rising in, in me. So how can we be still and know that He is God when the to-do list is way longer than time allows us to complete? Yeah, well, uh, just before we started recording here, you and I were just chatting about how this is quite a year, and I know you've got a lot of things that you still need to accomplish, and even for myself, I was thinking, wow, of all the years to do this podcast, this is quite an unusual one, because it'd be nice to have everything all organized and firmly in place and feel on top of things, and yet it's an unusual year for us. Our uh, daughter is due to have a baby, and there's some talk about possibly inducing her early, right around Christmas, whether the week before or the week after, that's still to be determined. And that decision would affect some of the things that we've planned for Christmas. And that's okay because, of course, our first priority is the baby, and we don't want her to make decisions based on that. But if she does uh, decide to be induced for for the purpose of of just making sure that the baby, everything's okay, then we would change our plans. And so at this point, it's unknown. Usually I would know at this point when all the extended family gatherings were going to be, we'd have it in place, who was hosting, who was cooking, what people were bringing. And now I feel a little bit uncertain about that. And that's kind of unusual for me, along with just different family dynamics. It's been a different kind of a year. And so as much as I wish I had this all perfectly outlined, I don't. But it's a reminder that in the middle of chaos, even when things are confusing or we're not totally on top of things, if the things around us are a little bit chaotic and we have no control over it, the foundation remains the same. The purpose, the reason for Christmas never changes. And that's where our, our constancy comes from. That's where our hope comes from. That's where our peace comes from. And it's a reminder that regardless of what's happening, regardless of changed plans, God is still there. He is still there to be worshipped, and our hearts still can find rest and peace in Him. And so I would say, as much as this might sound cliche, it's not. I know we all need these reminders. First and foremost, we have to make God a priority. We have to make sure that we are in His Word and in prayer. And I know some people like to get Advent 
devotionals, and that's great if you have a, a good one. I have no problem with that. But for me personally, I, I'm a lover of God's Word. I just like straight-up Bible. I like to get into God's Word and look for what He has for me. And so for myself, I'm going to be making up a, a bit of a, a reading plan. I don't have it fully ready yet, but I'm going to be starting tomorrow. I'm going to start focusing on some of the prophecies that are prophesying the birth of Christ, and uh, and then I'll finish with the Gospels. So I'm start, starting tomorrow because we just finished our weekly Bible study with women, and that gives me the perfect opportunity to, to start planning my own little time with the Lord. And so that's what I'm going to be doing, and that'll just be a plan that keeps me on track, keeps me focused, and really helps prepare my heart for the Christmas season and thinking about the Lord and the peace that we have in Him and the hope that we have in Him, the salvation, and just always remembering that He is the focus of all the things that I'm doing. And so that's number one. First and foremost, we have to make sure that He is and remains the priority during this Christmas season. But then I'd also say there's some practical things we need to remember as well. And one of them is don't try to do it all yourself. Ask for help, whether that's your kids or your husband. Maybe it's a sister or a friend that can help you with different plans. Don't be afraid to ask for help. It's not a bad thing. Plus, it's fun to do things together. So don't worry about that. See who can help you and then ask for the help that you need. Uh, secondly, I would say that um, plan your schedule around worship services. As sad as it is, we've heard of some churches already canceling their their worship service on Christmas Sunday because it's a Sunday and they want to give people the opportunity to spend time with family. We've never done it that way. We've just always made our schedule, our Christmas schedule around the worship service. So if there is a Christmas Eve service, all the family stuff gets planned around that. If um, if Christmas is on a Sunday, worship service takes priority. And I, I think we just have to do that, and then the rest falls into place. And it's a reminder that Christ is first. And then I would also say don't do too much, but also remember that you were created to live in community. And sometimes we can get caught up with feeling too busy and thinking, I have too many gatherings to go to or too many people to go visit. And we start complaining about that or feeling stressed out about all the things that we have to do. And so I just encourage people to just remember, we are created for community. And Christmas is a great time to really invest in some of the relationships that we might not have time for throughout the year because people tend to have a little bit more time off work and maybe not have as many things in their schedule. So spend time with your family, spend time with your friends, and enjoy it rather than feeling stressed out about it. But at the same time, we also have to know how to say no, and that varies according to your own personal and family needs. For instance, if my daughter ends up having the baby just before, just after Christmas, she's going to be staying home a little bit more than she normally would, right? And that's okay. So we have to learn to adapt according to what's going on in our, our life at that time. And it's okay to say no. And then lastly, I just want to say plan ahead on how to be a financial steward at Christmas. I know so many people get stressed out because they overspend. They want to buy so many gifts for so many people. And I'm sure it comes from a generous heart, a loving heart. But if you're going to end up going into major debt and feeling the stress, it's not worth it. So plan out how you can make uh, 
a special Christmas without overspending. Yeah, great. Those are great strategies. Um, I would love to see your Advent reading list if you're willing to share it. I'm sure some other women would would be interested as well. That sounds it sounds lovely, actually. Sure. When I'm done, I'll pass it on. Oh, fun. Okay. Um, I'd like to actually add as well um, something that helps me. I know when you're really busy, you're driving places, you're um, even in the kitchen cooking or whatever you're doing, wrapping wrapping presents, um, just to have that Christmas worship music on, mm, even in the background, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it helps helps me stay grounded. Sometimes a lyric will just catch catch my ear and and um and help me to reflect on on what christmas is about even Mm -hmm. if something as simple as fall on your knees right yeah it's just there's some beauty there yeah i agree i have a christmas playlist that i like to put together and some of it is traditional christmas worship songs and some Mm. of them are just songs that really focus on christ and his holiness and goodness Mm -hmm. and yeah, I agree. It's a perfect, beautiful way to mm-hmm. prepare your heart throughout the day, throughout the weeks. Uh, while you're busy doing things, yeah. you're also in a spirit of worship. So I think that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sandy. Um, I know that there is a tendency for women to take on too many things. Um, I'm speaking to myself here. <laughs> the pressure is often on the mom to make Christmas special for the whole family, you know, maybe to try to be superwoman who does everything you know, you look on Pinterest and you see the handmade gifts, the recipes right from scratch, um, the homes that are m- like magazine ready for guests, the perfectly wrapped presents. So how can we prioritize what is actually important for our family and how do we keep any pride or competitiveness in check? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this really is an expansion of, of what we we already talked about, but I, I think it's it's good to really check our hearts mm-hmm. in some of this, especially that tendency for us to try and be superwoman and to do all the things that Pinterest shows us to do. There can be that temptation, and some of us are really drawn towards that. And I think part of it is the fact that women are drawn to beauty, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think beauty is a beautiful way to proclaim the goodness and glory of God. But at the same time, we can't do it all, and we have to keep our priorities in line, as you said. And I think we have to check ourselves. Who are we doing it for? Are we doing this for God's glory? Or our own glory so that everybody can come in and praise us for all our beautiful gift wrapping or the way we've decorated, and it all points back to us. If that's where our heart is at, I think we need to refocus and say, no, you know, I'm going to do the things that I'm able to do, and I'm going to do it for God's glory. I'm going to consider my gifts and my abilities, my resources, and use them to put God on display. The reality is not all of us, most of us aren't super gifted in decorating, in cooking, in hospitality, in keeping the house clean, in doing this and that and all the other things, right? We might have one or two that we're really good at. Focus on those things, excel in those things, but remembering it's all for God's glory. Don't try to be everything. Um, But at the same time, I think it's okay to stretch ourselves but know yourself. So for myself, I am naturally more inclined to enjoy cooking, but creativity and 
artistic talents aren't necessarily natural to me, but I have learned to stretch myself because I do enjoy beauty. I do enjoy creativity, but it's not something that I would say is a strength. And so to stretch myself, there's a couple things I do. I do look on Pinterest and get ideas, which is very helpful. And I also get my girls to help me out. They are much more artistic and creative than I am. And so I'll ask their opinion or or I'll just assign certain things to them. And they do a great job at that. So thankfully, they're at the age where they're able to do that. So that just really reminds me that I know who I am. I am more naturally inclined to cook. So I let them do a little more of the decorating or I get a little more of their input on that. And I'm totally okay with that. That's a good thing. And then thirdly, I would say uh, remember that you are serving to bless, not impress. And I think we sometimes get that wrong. We're actually serving people to impress them rather than just wanting to bless them. And I know for myself Uh, When I go over to someone's house who just loves to outdo themselves and to to just put on something really fancy and put a fancy meal on and decorate, and that's who they are and they love to do that, I feel very blessed by their generosity in in making it beautiful. But then there's people who who just put on a plain meal, but they're just so happy to have you and they're just so loving and maybe their house is a mess. I'm equally in black equally blessed by being invited to their home as I am to the person who has gone all out. My my joy comes from knowing that they wanted to spend time with me and that my presence was a blessing to them. It wasn't about how great they were at whether it was cooking or cleaning or decorating, whatever it was. But if that's what they are good at, if that's what they enjoy doing, go for it. But don't do it just to impress me because I'm just blessed by being in your company, right? So, yeah, those are just a few things. I'll just go over that again. Stretch yourself, but know yourself. And then it's for God's glory, not your glory. And thirdly, remember you are serving to bless and not impress. I love that. Yeah, the goal isn't perfection. It is for God's glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good reminder. Um, And I know— Um, the past couple of years especially have been um, very divisive in a lot of families. And there's been um, strain on relationships. Um, How, Susie, can we best navigate time spent with family? Perhaps there's bitterness or hurt or, or anger there. How do we overcome and deal with those difficult emotions without totally ruining Christmas dinner? Well, that's a good question, Sandy. I do um, find that a little bit difficult to answer because every family situation is different, right? And there could be a a specific answer given to the various situations. But one thing I think we do want to remember that families are a blessing and we want to value families even when there's differences and challenges and heartaches within that. I think families are worth fighting for and as much as possible, we want to keep peace in our families. We want to speak well of our family members rather than being quick to criticize and to um, divide our families. Of course, there are situations when that is necessary, probably not um, 
the time to necessarily go into all those details right now. But for the most part, I, I do think we want to be a blessing to our families, to, to have the opportunity to show Christ to our families. And I think Romans 12 really gives us the perfect answer on how to specifically love um, love one another. And this isn't necessarily talking specifically about families, but I think it's very applicable to our families. So I just wanted to read it. And for our listeners, if they um, are having a hard time knowing how to respond to their family members that have maybe been a bit of a, a challenge over the last couple of years where there's been differences of opinion, maybe feelings have been hurt, or maybe there's just been a distance and a divide because of different opinions. I think taking some time to reflect on Romans 12 uh, verses 9 and following would be very helpful. And maybe there's one or two phrases there that can help them to um, just really think through their specific situation and put that into practice. I think that'll be helpful. So let me just read it here for you. So Romans 12 verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And uh, so, yeah, I think probably in most family situations, one of these phrases will actually be helpful in helping each one of us to really learn how to respond to the difficult scenarios within our family. But I think uh, one of the things that I think I've learned and I'm preaching to myself again as I as I say this. It's not as if I do this perfectly. I make my own mistakes often. But I, I've definitely learned that I should always be the one to rise up first, to be the one to love and to forgive and to be hospitable and to be kind and pour on the love. Sometimes when we've been offended or hurt, we, we wait for the other person that doesn't work out very well. I've I've definitely had it fall in my face when I've tried to do that. And so just be the first one. Be the one to extend grace and love as far as you're able to, right? Very clearly, as far as it depends on you. We we have no control over how the other family member is going to respond, but let's do our part in doing what's right. And I think with that, I do a lot of praying for humility and righteousness, right? And humility means I need to not be thinking about myself, but thinking about them. How are they going to respond? How are they going to perceive my my words, my actions, my attitudes? And also 
humility causes me to respond righteously rather than defensively. And especially with family members, it can be so easy, so easy to be quick to be defensive. And then righteously doing the right thing no matter what. And that's where I often have to pray and ask the Lord to give me that righteousness because um, I, I, I can naturally tend to be a people pleaser. I like to keep the peace, and, and that's a good thing. But there are times when I have to be willing to, to stand up for what is right regardless of the consequences. And so with that, I also pray for wisdom to know when to speak and when to be silent. And um, and so there's, in many cases, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer uh, on when to do that. But I think if we are walking with the Lord, if we've been spending time in His Word and in prayer, God's going to lead us. He's going to give us that that sense of peace and that sense of urgency when we should speak, or what that sense of calm when we should stay silent. The ability to say stay silent, even if we want to speak up at that moment, if if actually the right thing is to to be silent at that moment. Um, and so it just it takes wisdom, and at the same time, it also takes learning from our mistakes because we've all made mistakes. We've been too silent when we should have spoken up, and sometimes we've spoken up when we shouldn't have. And when we've made that mistake, uh, let's learn from it and allow the Lord to teach us to do to better to do better next time. And so, yeah, I think um, families can be challenging. I think over the last couple of years, there's been a stronger divide in many families, and many are thinking through this. Uh, but if if I'm the Christian, then I'm the one responsible to rise up and to to do what is right, and um, and then leave leave the consequences up to the Lord. Hmm. That's great advice, actually. Um, that you know, praying for the humility and and you know, praying that you wouldn't have self righteousness, but that that humility and that passage from Romans 12. Wow, it really does touch on so many different aspects. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, I have a a bit of a personal question for you. Uh, What family traditions do you hold dear in your family? And are there any that your grown kids still get excited for or talk fondly about? Well, I've already mentioned that our family our Christmas, our schedule revolves around the Christmas service. And so the Christmas Eve service really is our our priority. Of course, this year, Christmas Sunday is also, um, or Christmas is also on a Sunday, so we'll have service that day as well, which is fantastic. But I love Christmas Eve services. I have loved them since the time I was a child. I have great memories of our Christmas Eve services growing up. There was always a special opportunity um, it's different than what we do now, but the church I was growing up in, we practiced for months leading mm-hmm. up to Christmas. We'd be in the Christmas choir, and sometimes there'd be a Christmas drama, and we'd have a verse to memorize. And and then uh, our church family would always prepare these brown paper bags filled with, at that time, they still handed out peanuts and oranges and candy, <laughs> and it was just so fantastic. We were so excited to get these gift bags. And... I just have great memories of that. And continuing on in into marriage, Christmas Eve service is truly my favorite service of the mm. year. They're just there's so much rejoicing, just so much worship. It's so Christ-centered. It's so great to be with church family. 
And so I would say two of my saddest Christmases were when I couldn't gather in the church. And one mm-hmm. of them would be uh, when I was working as a PSW. I had to work one Christmas Eve service and how sad that is to have to miss Christmas Eve. And um, and so that was one of them. And then, of course, a couple of years ago when our church wasn't able to have our Christmas Eve service here in the building, it was during one of the lockdowns. We had opened the church the previous Sunday. My husband had been charged. Well, he'd been fi- um, received a, a summons for court anyways with the possibility of a um, large fine and imprisonment. And they essentially said there'd be major problems if we opened our church for Christmas Eve. And we decided to have parking lot services. <laughs> and as much as some people thought that was great. I thought it was the worst thing ever. I had already been crying all day because oh. of um, the charges my husband had received, even though we were we were totally prepared for it. It was just a weird situation for me to suddenly realize that everybody now knew that mm. my husband was considered a criminal, yeah. worthy of fines. And uh, I can't really describe why I was crying because... I knew that this was a very possibility. We were willing to accept that. But it was a tough day. And then only to come to Christmas Eve service, I was in the parking lot, in the car, by myself, thinking this is supposed to be the best service Mm -mm. ever. But I'm here in a car in a dark parking lot. Uh, There was, uh, I think, five or so people allowed in the church. A few of my kids were on the worship team, and my husband was preaching. So he was allowed to be in the church building. I wasn't at that point, we were um, trying to make it work that way. But that was such a sad day, such a sad situation to think that on Christmas Eve, we weren't even allowed to gather in worship of our Savior. So that was really sad. So that, I, I love my Christmas Eve services. Mm-hmm. I think our, our children do too. It's always been the thing. That's what we yeah. do on Christmas. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we do do some other celebrations as well. I don't think we um, are an overly traditional family. I think partly because, well, I don't know. I think part of it's because we're a ministry family, and so we have to be flexible depending on what day of the week Christmas falls on. Partly because we live a few hours away from most of our extended family, so we've had to be flexible that way. Uh, probably partly as well. My husband didn't grow up in a family that had a lot of traditions. My family had more so. Uh, So we haven't always developed them. But I think that's been okay because it helps us to be flexible. Uh, A few of the things that we do like doing, I always for years have had a baking day with my girls. And uh, most of the time, my sister-in-law and her daughter have been able to come as well. So we've been doing this for years, and it's it's just such a joy, so much fun. We all pick out a few recipes to to do together, and sometimes they turn out, and every once in a while they don't turn mm-hmm. out. But the kitchen is an absolute disaster. Probably someone that is uh, very organized would be, <laughs> you know— would think it was wild and crazy and couldn't handle it. There's flour and sugar and, you know, candy M&Ms and Hershey Kisses and wrappers all over the place. But we come out with some pretty good stuff, and then we share all the goodies and pass them out and put them in our freezer, and we have them. Well, sometimes they last, sometimes they don't. (laughs) But that's always a fun day. 
probably more recently, the girls and I like to get pajamas that are somewhat matching. That's always a fun thing, getting new pajamas for Christmas Eve. And then, of course, gathering with extended mm-hmm. family. And mm-hmm. we we generally do the same thing, but it doesn't have to be on the same weekend or on the same day of the week or the same day. We're flexible. We make it work for whatever is needed mm-hmm. that year. So, yeah, those are just a few of the things that we like to do. Fun. That's so fun. Yeah, we do the pajama thing at our house, too. And um, <laughs> talking about that Christmas Eve service, yeah, that was, it was heartbreaking. It really was. I was on worship that day, and our team was a huge team. We had to cut it down to, like, I don't know, four people, three mm. people. Yeah, it was it was really heartbreaking. Anyway, we're really excited that we get to be here on Christmas Eve as a family. And then Christmas Day, I think it'll be... My kids are excited. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a great a great Sunday morning. So I have a, my last question is a just for fun question. And this is a warning. If you have kids in the room, we are going to talk about the man in the red suit. So <laughs> this is your warning. Um, Susie, we've got a lot of babies on the way in our church family. As you said, one, your daughter is, is due, could be very, very soon. Um, what advice do you have for young couples Santa or no Santa? All right. Well, I know this is a controversial issue, but it's one that I feel quite confident in, in regards to how we've handled it. And so, yeah, I think first of all, um, just continuing on with the question about traditions, I think any tradition that becomes more important than Christ himself has become too important. And uh, that's a problem. Maybe it's an idol in our life, and so we have to be careful about that. So if there's any tradition other than celebrating Christ specifically that would absolutely ruin your Christmas, I think it's become too important, and you need to reevaluate whether that should even be part of your Christmas traditions. Uh, So if Santa is the reason for celebrating Christmas and makes it the best Christmas ever, Santa probably has become too important. Uh, So having said that then, I actually just want to read a little legend about St. Nicholas and the history of him. I'm going to read a few little paragraphs here that I got from history.ca. So we can kind of see where Santa Claus came from. It says, The legend of Santa Claus can be traced back hundreds of years to a monk named St. Nicholas. It is believed that Nicholas was born sometime around A.D. 280. Much admired for his piety and kindness, St. Nicholas became the subject of many legends. It is said that he gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick. One of the best-known St. Nicholas stories is the time he saved three poor sisters from being sold into slavery or prostitution by their father by providing them with a dowry so that they could be married. Over the course of many years, Nicholas's popularity spread and he became known as the protector of children and sailors. His feast is celebrated on the anniversary of his death, December 6th, which just happens, so happens to be today, the day that we're recording. By the time (laughs) this comes out, it won't be December 6th anymore, but uh, today is the anniversary of his death. This was traditionally considered a lucky day to make large purchases or to get married. By the Renaissance, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe. Even after the Protestant Reformation, when the veneration of saints began to be discouraged, St. Nicholas maintained a positive reputation, especially in Holland. 
The name Saint or Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Dutch nickname Sinterklaas, a shortened form of Saint Nicholas. And um, in 1822, Clement Clark Moore, an Episcopal minister, wrote a long Christmas poem for his three daughters entitled An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, more popular known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. Mm. Moore's poem, which he was initially hesitant to publish due to the frivolous nature of its subject, is largely responsible for our modern image of Santa Claus as a right jolly old elf with a portly figure and the supernatural ability to ascend a chimney with a mere nod of his head. Although some of Moore's imagery was a probably was probably borrowed from other sources, his poem helped popularize the now familiar image of a Saint Claus or a Santa Claus, who flew from house to house on Christmas Eve in a minster sleigh led by eight flying reindeer to leave presents for deserving children. An account of a visit from St. Nicholas created a new and immediate popular American icon. And so that's just kind of a cute little story. Uh, So to be honest, I think he's just a storybook character similar to Winnie the Pooh. I think it's okay to enjoy a good story. But I would, uh, I don't personally encourage parents to tell kids that Santa Claus is real. Because that's a lie. It's not the truth. I think we should tell the truth about Santa Claus. Allow him to be a part of your um, your reading. It's okay to have a little Santa Claus figurine or a picture of Santa Claus or go to the Santa Claus parade. It's fun. View it as a fun activity for kids, a fun storybook. But I, I think parents should be honest about who Santa is and that Santa is just a character. He's mm-hmm. not real. Because if we make Santa out to be real, and then they find out later on that Santa was just a made-up character, how's that going to affect their view of Christ, of, of the Bible? Will they think that's just a storybook too? Because after all, they were duped about Santa. Are they duped about Jesus as well? So I just, I, I personally think parents should be honest and I don't think they need to avoid Santa Claus, but just tell the kids who he really is. At the same time, I do think, um, once again, if you're depending on Santa to make your Christmas meaningful, you've lost the joy uh, and the, you've lost sight of of who Jesus actually is. And you really need to reevaluate that. Um, but I do think we should be celebratory. I don't think there's anything wrong with putting some intentional thought and time into making Christmas a celebration. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with celebrations. The Bible is full of them. I was actually looking up a little bit of information about some of the the feasts in the Old Testament. There's seven major feasts that are described, and it took time and intention to prepare for those. They were very meaningful. And it would have taken time to prepare. I'm sure it would have taken time and money. They put a lot of effort into mm-hmm. and detail into these celebrations that all helped point them to Jesus and to to really celebrate and worship him more. And I think that's what we want to do with Christmas as well. There's nothing wrong with adding a little bit of creativity, a little bit of drama, a little bit of art to our celebrations, even if it's not directly related to Jesus. Um, There's nothing wrong with having a Christmas tree, even if it's not a star or a cross. (laughs) Um, 
because we're meant to celebrate. We're we're meant to to um, enjoy, and if it helps to increase our worship, it's it's a good thing. And for myself, I I enjoy having a Christmas tree. I I enjoy putting the lights on at Christmas time. It kind of gives you a sense of of peace and calm, and gets you you know, in the spirit of being able to relax, Mm -hmm. which then prepares you to actually be in God's Word or to pray and to worship and spend time with your family instead of being busy, busy, busy. Uh, So I think celebration is a really good thing. And if you're doing a little extra to to help prepare you for that, to help you to enjoy, to make things fun for your kids, for yourself, go for it. Enjoy it. But as far as Santa goes, I, I just encourage parents to be honest about it. That's great. Well, thanks, Susie. This was so fun. And thank you for listening with us today. We hope that some of these conversations will help you to have a more Christ-centered Christmas. So please join us again in a couple weeks as we begin breaking down the different qualities of womanhood and how we can live it out in today's context. Join us in rebuilding biblical womanhood from the foundation up. Mm